everyone. This is Pelvic Pain Natters. We're on episode three. I'm joined by Tim Beams. Uh, my name is Carl Monaghan. We are founding members of Pelvic Pain Matters. Um, we are aiming to be the go-to resource for male pelvic pain. And this is our um, podcast channel. Tim is a specialist advanced, sorry, a specialist pain physio. Um, I'm a sports advanced clinical massage therapist. We have 20 years of clinical and educating experience each, and we are here to bring a little bit of education and some clinical reflections today. We are going to talk about the pelvic pain experience. What kind of presentations are we seeing with male pelvic pain patients, including prostatitis and chronic pelvic pain syndrome? Tim, this is a really important part of just getting to know the individuals that we see week in, week out, that um, an introduction and hopefully an awareness that, that patients aren't going through this by themselves, that a lot of their lived experience is actually so shared. It can feel very isolating experiencing pelvic pain and it can feel like you you don't no one else knows what you're going through so we're going to unpack some of that today and shine a light on typical presentations exactly yeah oh and, and when you say typical presentations and that that every presentation is in its own right quite unique as well isn't it quite individual but there are some shared features some shared experiences and you know things like how someone describes what they're experiencing or where they describe it or this sort of general pattern of their symptoms through time as well are are all really helpful for us to to make better sense of what that person's going through yeah totally and you know you could have a hundred patients with exactly the same symptoms you know as in the location maybe the discomfort they might experience but every background every genesis of everyone's story how those symptoms then influence the person on a minute by minute hour by hour week by week basis the person the patient's response to that's what they're being told there's so many influencing factors that that if we can unpack this and we can really appreciate and understand where the patient is coming from then we've got a better chance at being able to help the individual as well totally totally yeah so what's a, <clears throat> where do you think a good place to start is? I think we were talking about where, where the pelvis is, weren't we? And mm -hmm. in, in the last podcast, and we were like, that's actually quite hard to define. Um, so what is pelvic pain? So um, what are the typical areas that people experience pains, discomforts, uh, and, and, and whatever else they might experience in? Mm, yeah, thanks, Tim. So the, the main focus of pelvic pain is surprise, surprise in the pelvis, but but it does extend above and beneath that as well. The the ambiguous um, boundaries of the pelvis. Um, I typically find patients experience symptoms, pain symptoms between the knees and the ribs. So it's quite a broad area and does extend, of course, above and beneath the pelvis. But there's you know, maybe some geography there that might that might lend itself in terms of maybe some musculature, maybe some neural connections, maybe some organs that might be involved in there as well. So that's the region that we might experience symptoms in um, or see symptoms in. And then there might be changes to some function in that area. That might be sexual function, bowel function or bladder function. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's And that's a really vague presentation already isn't it in terms yeah. of my description totally yeah but we can be a bit more succinct about it can't we so 
we have collected data from a number of people to to give us a sense but also you know demonstrate and show other people the sorts of areas that people describe their symptoms in shall i just run through a little list that we've mm, got right yes please yeah so we've got the abdomen which you were saying beforehand um the back the buttocks thighs groin um the, even down to the feet uh, and then a bit more specifically around the, the groin, we've got the perineum, the scrotum, um, the penis, the tip of the penis, the rectum. So we've got, well, really, we've got, as, as you quite rightly say, we've got, you know, really broad areas, haven't we? But sometimes can be very, very focused, even to the point where someone will be able to describe it's a, it feels like a small muscle right on the left hand side of the rectum and and it can be very 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 precise and sometimes it's quite diffuse it's actually quite hard to pinpoint so what we tend to see is we see a sort of and and we see we see differences there but that difference can be present in the same individual as well can't it so they can have a very very specific very easy to localize they can absolutely pinpoint this one spot and actually they have other feelings that are a bit more diffuse a bit more difficult to to, to pinpoint yeah absolutely and with it, even within that though as well there's the quicksilverness the morphing you know shape-shifting presentation of those symptoms and it might morph and shift within a day it might morph and shift within a week it might be very different from the onset of the patient's symptoms to then how that is maybe through their recovery and as the patient comes out of it and they can recover and do recover then this, the symptoms might shift all throughout that whole period within that patient's journey absolutely absolutely so and i guess that leads us quite nicely onto sort of patterns so we use patterns to help us they help to guide us really don't they they help to guide us towards or away from specific diagnoses um you know perhaps they they indicate that something might be going on and and it sort of leads us down one route of inquiry um and it also guides us towards a what rehabilitation might look like as well so um it's really common to hear things like well my pain is constant you know it stays the same and other people that it fluctuates, perhaps it builds through the day or I wake up and it's their first thing. And actually, as I start getting going, things start to, to, to dissipate or, or, you know, it's not too bad. And then I go to bed and then whoop, it's there again. Um, so, so that might be a fairly, um, I mean, a very different, but the typical patterns that you might hear about in the day. Mm sometimes not always it is quite easy to link it to an activity each time i sit i know within x amount of time my pain's coming on mm. but it isn't always as easy as that is it because people will say well when i sit at work you know or in front of my computer and perhaps i've got loads of work to do it, perhaps it's the distractions i don't know but i can sit a bit longer yeah but if I come to sit down at night, you know, watch TV with my wife, perhaps, and I'm slouching in my sofa, then I'm immediately I'm aware of that pain again. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm using two descriptions I've heard in the last week. So these are very, very, you know, typical things that you might hear. 
Yeah, I was even reflecting as you were saying on that about a patient of mine um, who only gets symptoms when he sits in his car. So, so some of the symptoms, sorry, not he only gets, but some of the symptoms he gets that are very specific to him sitting in the car has now meant that he doesn't drive the car anymore. You know, so the rest of the time he can sit, he's got a desk-based job. Um, you know, we sit and typically eat meals and, you know, he will sit and um, go out and be entertained with his partner. And this might be a restaurant, a cafe or a bar, but, and he can do those, but the car is a place where he experiences symptoms on sitting. Yeah. Uh, it, it is unique and individual and really contextual. Totally, totally. So, so patterns, what we could say is there's a huge vari um, variation. Um, things can vary in a day, it can vary in a week, it can vary depending on the context that you're in as well. And, and actually that kind of information is really, really helpful for the, for the health professional yeah. um, when they're coming to guide and, and make sense and also guide you as well. So um, yeah, something for us. Now, I was gonna, before we move on to the sorts of descriptors, I was gonna say one thing that is very, very typical is when you're in pain, checking in on yourself look, daily, hourly, minute by minute, you know, in a way you wake up and you check, is it still there? And, and, and that, I think that's understandable as humans, <laughs> you know, is it still there? Oh, no, it is, you, you, you know, but, but actually that, I, what we find is that just feeds, doesn't it? It feeds things like being anxious or worried and, you know, uh, feeling quite downhearted about it as well, pessimistic that, oh, yeah, still there. Yeah, I've got a number of patients and, and this shouldn't apply to everyone, but but for and you might recognize this yourself. I certainly did as a pelvic pain patient, but I can also recognize it now, even when I don't have pain, that waking up in the morning, there's not much going on. And there might be a body scan that happens like an internal body scan. We're just going through body region. How does that feel? Or is it there? As you said, Tim, is it not there? And then I'm finding that a lot of patients might just not want to get up. At that particular point, there is uh, an uncertainty around how their pain is going to be through that day. And then there's rumination that comes along with that as well. And maybe a bit of planning. I've got this I need to do. And that has to be done by that time. How am I going to feel? Is that easy for me based upon my experience at the moment? Is it going to be an issue? Am I going to have to manage that? So that that kind of rising, raising into the day, becoming more awake, becoming more lucid, and then the scan and then the worry and the concern about how that day may set up for those patients. I'm nudging them out of bed. I mean, not me physically. I'm not in the room with them nudging them out of bed, but I'm saying, look, let's give you something to do in the morning that is you're going to get up. You're going to do some activity, some movements in the morning to start to break that mold of or the uncertainty of how the day is going to pan out. And for some of those patients, the vast majority, and that, that kickstarts in the day in a really virtuous way, almost not giving them the chance to think about how the day is going to pan out mm. can make a difference for them. I'm yeah. not saying everyone, but yeah, that, that was the thing that was going through my head when you were talking about the, the knock-on effects that the pain then might have to an individual and how they may respond to that. Totally. And, uh, and you're already filling me with another episode of what we can talk about, because I'm thinking, oh, predictive models and, and where we could go there. That would be really fun to, to talk about. Um, so so we've got a bit more of the experience and, and what people um, describe. 
So the different terminology is interesting, isn't it? And I, I, you work with people all, all over the the world, don't you? So, but you're you're doing you're conducting your sessions in English. Yeah. So we are biased here that you know we're reporting what we hear in English, and some of that might be in someone's second language, third language, for instance. But we hear quite similar descriptors, don't we? So I just read through a few sort of fairly typical descriptions that we get. Um, shooting, stabbing, burning, lightning, electric shock. I'm, and if I just stop there and just say, that doesn't sound that pleasant. <laughs> you know, if you're experiencing these things, and I have to say, personally, I, I have experienced a number of these things, that's not that pleasant. Um, there's a few other things here that a hot sensation, a crawling sense, pins and needles, a dull ache, hypersensitivity, and we could add a few other things to their discomfort, tightness, etc. That that is a really, really common thing that you that you hear. Um, but what I just take in a couple of them. Crawling, a sense of crawling under the skin is is quite alien, isn't it? It's not a very common thing to experience in your everyday life. So if you're getting that sense, and people do, um, wriggling, crawling, as if ants are on your skin or something's underneath the skin, and, and sometimes talk about people talk about feeling like it needs itching as well. And it, 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 to me, it's not that that's in itself that scary but that it's so un it's so unnatural perhaps or, or it's so different to what you're normally experiencing that that in itself that can make it a bit worrying and scary absolutely 100 I, I think there is such a a lot of ambiguity around what is the causation of some of the symptoms in pelvic pain you know is it infectious is it muscular tightness is it an injury or damage to nerves is it something else that something's been missed is it the big c you know i think a lot of the uncertainty and then the the bizarre morphing changing uh, symptoms that people experience i'm not surprised that there's a level of oh this is really really un, un not deeply deeply unpleasant to the individual and the level of uncertainty over what that sensation might then mean like the interpretation of crawling under the skin mm. if i've been told that there is or isn't an infection can i feel that can i feel the bugs moving around mm. it's something of it's been suggested to me beforehand by a patient i can feel the movement of things in and around my prostate mm. and of course if there's some uncertainty of maybe because you've had round after round of antibiotics that maybe there is some um, some bacteria here it, it just adds to more suffering more complexity to it more uncertainty as well yeah. it is a lot to take on board as an individual and to navigate by yourself too exactly and and there's lots of sciencey words around these but we would call them a dysesthesia wouldn't we and an unusual feeling or sensation and the actual crawling has its own name as well formication i mean it it sounds like that's come about through male pelvic pain experiences doesn't it <laughs> uh, but no you have to be a bit careful with that but for, formication um is is the describer is the descriptor for that I, I wanted to pull up um three words four words stabbing shooting burning lightning uh, and let's add another one, electric shock. Uh, 
to me, just hearing them are, it's quite, they're quite evocative. They sort of, oh, there's this emotional, oh, visceral sense in me when I'm hearing them. But if, you, if you're having to describe something as stabbing, there's connotations there, aren't there? You know, when else do we hear about something stabbing? And I'm not sure that, that immediately I'm thinking that is not a pleasant thing. If you're reaching for that word to best describe what you're experiencing, that experience is not a great experience. So, so for the clinicians who are listening into this, I mean, if you've not tried it before, but, you know, switch on your, your ability to empathize with that, you know, be interested in it. it. To me, it's fascinating that that would be where someone goes with their description. Totally. And while I'm saying, while I'm hearing what you're talking about in terms of the sensations people are experiencing, we're, we're boundaried by the language and the terminology that we use as well. How close to like how realistic is the, the the reflection of our language in terms of the sensations that we're experiencing it's really difficult to try and get across a phenomenological lived experience of a sensation in in uh, either written or or, or vocalized words and if you're saying that this that some of the patients we're seeing maybe English is their second language it's not their first language again there's it's really really difficult you almost want when I had my pelvic pain, I wanted someone to put my skin on and wear my body for a day or two and just say that can't really explain it fully. But that's that's what I'm going through. That's how that feels. Exactly. Yeah. And can I just congratulate you for getting phenomenological experience? <laughs> very, very impressive. <laughs> I was worried about that. I, I normally trip over that and end up repeating myself and just getting really, really annoyed. So I've done that. <laughs> it's a win for me today. Awesome. Um, and when we're talking about phenomenology, it's, it's the sort of first person sense of what you're going through, then we often hear a number of descriptors for that as well, don't we? So when someone's describing, if you're asking them about their journey and their experience, they don't always go to tell you about pain. They sometimes tell you about what that has done to them or how you know how it manifests and we hear things like it's very very typical to hear that people are anxious or frustrated or depressed but then we hear interesting for me at least anyway other interesting things like they're exhausted mm. or they're tired or they've become quite withdrawn they have lost their confidence. Maybe they say that, you know, I've like I've lost my joy in life as well. Um, they become quite fed up, dejected. Um, and, when, and then we then we hear other things and and then we hear about how it affects them day to day. Like it's a constant battle mm-hmm. or it defines my life. Uh, and, and for me, hearing things like that, it's, again, it's just yeah constant battle or it just tells you what people might be going through so um if it's like that for you you're certainly you're not on your own there it's a very very common thing to hear um yeah my pelvic pain definitely defined my life for the for the period of time that i had it was front and center it i couldn't see around it i couldn't see past it i couldn't see beyond it the very definition because of the way my life changed or the way I had to change my life or felt I had to change my life. It was 
do you want to do this? Oh, I can't because I've got these symptoms or I would love to do this, but actually I uh, just can't because it's just not nice to do or pleasant to do, or I don't have the enthusiasm or the resources to be able to even contemplate doing that thing. So there, that was very much the, my definition of myself at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad, isn't it? And uh, you hear, it's, you know, there's a lost life. Mm-hmm. And people, people, it's quite common. It's as, as if they're grieving for that loss in their life, or they lost them. Um, and and I, you know, listening to that is feels quite understandable. You know, you you you. It's as if life shrinks for some people, isn't it? That the possibilities for you at any one time are more limited, or are limited in comparison to w- w- what they would have been without the pain. Mm. And often it's those meaningful activities as well. You know, you don't realise the relevance or the meaning of something until it's taken away from you. And then there's the craving for it. There's the desire to go back. And that might be simply having a cup of coffee. It might be riding a bike. It might be travelling. It might be having sex. You know, it, it could be anything. But often when we don't have the option to do that thing, then it becomes even more uh, uh, of an issue and, and compounds the suffering that the patient goes through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, should we sort of summarise a little bit of what we've gone through? Because we've, we've actually delved into a fair amount there. So first of all, we were talking about exactly where someone might experience the symptoms. And we were doing our best to talk about specifics and then more generally, um, then, then a pattern of how things are through the day and a week and, and how things can vary. They can be linked to activities, absolutely. But the context within which you do the activities can have a really significant effect as well. The sorts of words, how people describe what they're experiencing and, and particularly how evocative that can be. And, and then the impact that all of this might have on your life or, or how you feel about yourself and including the emotional influences as well. That uh, for the two of us, we don't see as separate, do we? Um, they're just so important to understand and and I think quite understandable that you have anxiety attached, for instance, to uncertainty around your health and around pain. I mean, to me, that's absolutely understandable. So we do do really hope that we can start creating some um, clarity um, to, to some of your some of your pain problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tim. And it was, you know, it was a, and it wasn't a deep dive. It was kind of skirted over some of the symptoms, some of the presentation, some of what you might be experiencing. If you're a patient listening to this, then your own lived experiences are completely unique to you as well. But we just wanted to flag up and, and just highlight some of the typical things that we might be seeing um, in the pelvic pain experience. Um, Tim, as always, it's a genuine pleasure. I, I thoroughly enjoy these. Um, we have been pelvic pain natters that's episode three the pelvic pain experience we hope you've liked and enjoyed the content please do rate and review uh, and feel free to come back to us with any questions or comments and we'd love you to share this if you've enjoyed the experience today and or you know um, someone else would benefit from this as well that might be friends or family or, or work colleagues then please please do share you can find us on uh, various social media channels, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. 
and thank you already for those that have subscribed thank you for already those of you that have downloaded our previous episodes um next time tim what are we talking about in the next episode we are going to talk about communicating your experience so communicating your experience to loved ones to friends family but also to the health professionals and and i think it would be interesting to talk about how we communicate it to ourselves as well so yeah communication around your experience fantastic lovely and as a little bonus i'm going to start chucking in some friday takeaways from myself as well so these are short podcast they're going to be about 10 minutes long it's something i record for our facebook private facebook group the recovery room but i'll start dropping those in there on fridays as well as an additional bonus material for everyone as always tim it's a pleasure